From the city of Beaky Blinders, Birmingham, England, I would like to introduce you to Paddy Dandar. As the world becomes more automated and the robots take over, it's imperative that we build the right human skills for the future. So pull up a chair, grab a smoser or two, and make yourself very uncomfortable. So, Carsten, we're going to ask you for another superpower. It could be a technique, it could be an approach, it could be a framework, whatever that might be. So what other superpower would you like to bring to this episode? The other superpower uh, I, I really love is, uh, is actually solution-focused coaching. Oh. Um, because as if you ask the people that work with me when I was a developer, they will tell you that I was a first-class software developer at over-engineering stuff. I was like, super awesome to think, oh, if I just add this and if I just change this, then we can use it in all these different cases. And in re- that, that it might have been used in these cases, what, one out of 10,000 million times or something like that, right? It was completely unnecessary and uncalled for also. And what the solution-focused way of asking questions helped me to do is actually hone in on what are the actual changes I would like to observe and then work towards that and not everything else by just like changing the way I ask questions. So that was kind of a big eye-opener for me, this uh, way of, of asking questions and coaching in general. Oh, I'd love to know more about that. So with solution-based coaching, if it's something that someone hasn't heard of before, how would that be different to regular coaching? So coaching can be many things, right? But one of the one of the classic things you do in solution-focused coaching is, so Paddy, if I ask you after this interview, what made this interview with me the best interview ever, what would you then answer? I would say your personality. I think you've got a really nice, bubbly, engaging personality. Mm-hmm. Cool. Because that gives two things, right? It both gives you something to look for. So what are you looking for in this interview? What would success like for you? It gives me something to show. Okay, so you're looking for this uh, this personality. Okay, that means we need to, I need to dial up on that. The same when we, if we facilitate a, a one-day workshop, then have people reflect in the beginning. When I ask you in the end of this workshop, what made this the best workshop? Uh, what would you answer? And then you can see as a facilitator the program I've actually planned. Does that hit the right, check the right boxes? Or are we disaligned? And then at the end of the day, we can follow up on, so did we actually cover all these things? So is there anything missing? If something is missing, cool. How and when do we cover that? So this looking for signs, looking for how can we recognize that something has changed, that the right things changed and also who would recognize this that's kind of the fundamental to some extent right there are many nuances to it but that is kind of an overlaying the overarching theme in many of the uh, classic questions so you're almost taking that person forward in time to say if you were there what would success look like for you that type of thing not not what would success look like how would you know that you have been successful got it and then get people to explain, because then when you have these signs in place, these things that they would be able to notice, then you can also ask them, so how would your boss notice? How would your uh, customers notice? And then when we have these signs, we can start to prioritize them and figure out, so if we want to actually change something here, what actions do uh, do affect this? Okay, then we can uh, break down that. And then 
work on those specific things and not as I would do previously work on everything. And then hopefully I would change the, the right things. And so that's one of the really good questions. There's also a miracle question. I like quite a lot going back to the fun and the scale, uh, fun, fun aspect of it. And also the, uh, the scaling question, which I like quite a lot. Oh, do you want to tell us a little bit about those? What, what are those types of questions? Let's imagine that we have uh, something that a situation where we want some kind of, of, of change or in a team, then we can use a miracle question to again, in a fun way, storytell a bit. So Paddy, when you get into, uh, when you go to bed tonight, you sleep like you normally do, nothing odd about that. But during the night, you're actually visited by your fairy godmother and she bestows on you the, this miracle. And so this situation that we're talking about is no longer a problem. But the problem is you don't know that she's been there. So you wake up tomorrow morning, it's completely fine. But when you get into the office, how would you notice that this is not a change, uh, that something has changed, that this is not a problem anymore? And this will then help the coachee or the client or the team to focus on. So if this was not a problem, how would we actually notice? How would the manager notice and so on? Um, and Again, storytelling a bit gets people away and seeing it from a different perspective than what they're locked onto. Uh, so instead of talking about problems, we're trying to talk about solutions. So you could use it in a retrospective, for instance. So if we're not having a problem with, uh, with uh, not finishing the sprint, how would that look like? Who would notice that we are actually completing almost the, the entire sprint backlog uh, or whatever be the case? And the scaling question is uh, one of my absolute favorites because it it has a nice long, it has a nice structure to it and you get in so many ways a lot of, of value from quite few questions actually. So it's just like you can use it either on a personal level or on a product level if it's on a personal level. So if we say that I want to achieve uh, something uh, let me come up with a good example. So I, I want to become a product owner, for instance, if that was the case, then if that is a 10, if if 10 being me as a product owner or as agile coach or whatever, uh, from one to 10 and 10 being that uh, you're a product owner and uh, you can see it in this way and this way and your boss can see it that way, where would you rate yourself? Because if we take a step back, right, then we have again had a discussion around the 10. How do we know that we are at the 10? And then we put a number to it from one to 10 and I'm deliberately not defining the one. I don't care about that. And to be completely honest, I don't care about the number as well. It's just to have some kind of starting point for the next discussion, mm. which is, so if it's a five, that's actually interesting. You didn't put it as a one, you put it as a five. So something is working already. Can you just maybe share three things that made it a five and not a four? Because then we get people into a positive way of thinking instead. So we actually have something that's already working. Cool, that's nice to know. I might have forgotten that. And the next thing is, by some miracle, it's now a 5.1. How would you notice? How would you know that it's a 5.1 or a 6? And then we can make these small increments. We can make these small baby steps and make sure that we actually influence the right things. And that will probably get us closer to that 10, um, which was our goal somewhere along the, the road. And... You can use that. It's quite versatile. So you can use it both on that, but you can also have your product owner pitch. So our product vision is this, and then use that as a 10 ride, and then have the team to actually reflect on 
So between one and 10, how close are we to the product vision? What is working for our product? And what would a small increment be to get us closer to that? And that will give input into the product owners uh, or the product manager with how do the development team or the users, for instance, see it. So it's just a nice, uh, nice way of uh, structuring questions. Yeah, no, I love that. I, I think scaling questions for me really been valuable as well. I've used them a few times and it definitely gets people to really think through like, where are they now? Benchmark myself right now. And it gives you an idea to then, you know, take action, I guess. It depends if it's in a coaching yeah. conversation or even as a temperature check with a group of learners. Yeah. I sometimes ask people, how are you feeling right now on a scale of one to five? You know, how confident are you feeling about this subject? And just gauging what people's reactions are. And then we we start to help them move and nudge them a bit further forward. And what you can also do is if everybody is in the room, define one end of the room being one and the other end of the room being 10 and then have people go up in the 10. So you're now standing at the product vision. You have the vision actually implemented. How does that look like? And then have people standing in the room or you can use it as an energizer or whatever you call it in a session because people don't need to share anything. It can just be Think of a specific situation where we'd like to get some fresh input. Everybody then join me in this end of the room. This is 10. How does it look like? Write down on your piece of paper and then go to where you think you are at the moment. And people don't need to say anything, but it will still give them this reflection, seeing the physical distance between them and the 10 and them and the one, for instance, and trying to take a step forward, see how does that look like? How does that feel? That can be quite powerful as well, even without saying anything. Yeah, no, I love that. The fact that you get people to physically move. That's yep. a great way to energize, isn't it? Especially for those face-to-face -face sessions. So Carson, if I wanted to know more about solution coaching, is there any particular books, resources that you would recommend? There are. So uh, yeah, I'm going to, to market myself a bit. So I, I have some videos on YouTube on uh, solution-focused coaching, but there is also quite a good book uh, by Daniel Meyer, which is called... Uh, Solution Coaching Brief, Coaching Plain and Simple uh, by Peter Sabo and Daniel Meyer. That's quite nice. And another take on it is also Host Leadership by Mark McCurgoff, uh, where he uses the solution focus way of thinking. And then how does that apply to leadership? And that is actually quite valuable for a Scrum Master, for instance. So when do we step back, Watson? When do we step forward? And how do we recognize uh, these uh, changes? Oh, fantastic. And would you say there's any particular training that you would recommend as well, or is it predominantly books are a good place to start? I, so I have attended training. I have had training by a company called Solution Surfers, which is, which is quite nice. And I've had a, a guy called Jesper Christensen from a Solution Surfers Denmark. I've uh, had quite a lot of training with him and, uh, so, and Daniel Meyer, which uh, both are highly recommended. Mm -hmm. So the actual author of the book that you mentioned there? Yes. Uh, good stuff. Well, we're at the end of time. So Carson, I just want to thank you so much for joining us today. I'm going to leave you with the last word. Is there anything you would like to share about your plans for the future, things that you're working on, things that you'd like people to know about? It's a good question. So I think we should actually end on a, end on a joke. I think that would be quite fitting. Yeah. So what starts with a W and ends with a T? It really does, I swear. Okay, it starts with a W and ends with a T. What? Wit. What? Oh, 
fell for it, didn't I? <laughs> totally fell for it. Okay, you got me. <laughs> and, and that's the nice part about these. They're so stupid, so you can just get dumb. <laughs> I need to brush up. I got a dad joke book for Christmas from someone who obviously thought I needed it. So I've got that as a gift and I do need to start reading it. And then I'll be on your level then, hopefully, <laughs> with some of those jokes. But no, thank you so much, Carson. I have I have agile jokes as well, uh, but uh, I think uh, let's uh, save them for another time, right? <laughs> okay, good stuff. We'll save those for another episode. So thank you so yep. much. Thanks a lot for, uh, for having me, Patty. It was uh, awesome once again. Oh, you're welcome, my friend. And keep up the good work. I, if anyone is uh, interested in knowing more about Carsten, he's got an awesome YouTube channel. I'll put the link in the show notes. He's got some great tutorials, kind of how-to videos about how to use great facilitation techniques. And so, and I love the way you stand in front of a, a sort of a flip chart and we're able to really see the concept in action. So yeah, for those that are interested, I would thoroughly recommend his channel. 